Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, good morning, River of Life. It is so good to be back. We missed you so much, and I appreciate the leadership of this church, both the staff and the board, for their willingness to step up and to step into the area so that my wife and I could go and be away for six weeks. Can I just tell you, we were ready to come back. Um, I appreciate the rest, and I appreciate the ability to go and, and get out of town for part of that, and we got to go visit multiple different churches, which was nice for us to be able to go and do, even some of the churches here in town, and uh, we loved that, but there's nothing like home. Uh, there's nothing like being here and, and seeing your smiling faces, and hopefully they'll continue to smile as I continue to preach. Um, we'll see. Um, but it is really good to be back. And I, I wanted to just take a moment, because even as Pastor Angela was talking, I was thinking about, um, you know, if you're new to church, if, you, if maybe this is your first day even at River of Life, you go, oh, here they go. They're asking for money. Um, can I just tell you, this church, I've never seen a place like this that pours out and pours out. Can I tell you, this week alone, while I was gone, the food bank, we, we've been doing the food bank here, we've been doing the food bank in Arlee, and now they've expanded to another, uh, to uh, St. Ignatius, and, and they're just killing it. So I asked Corianne yesterday, I said, how many did you serve this week? How many people did you serve this week? 500 people got served from our food bank just this week alone. That's, in, that's incredible. So I'm just so thankful. And, I, and again, I just want to take a moment and thank the board and the staff because they have stepped up. They were telling me uh, week one when, when Shannon and I were gone and, the, and they were not to contact us and all of that. And so week one, they had, when I got to staff meeting this Thursday, they had a full-on PowerPoint presentation <laughs> of all the things that went wrong during week one. <laughs> and there's some pretty big things that happened. And they had to like figure it out and make it happen. And there was other things that happened throughout the six weeks. But week one was the worst, I think, of all of them. And uh, so, so proud of them and so blessed to have such amazing leaders. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we are going to start a series that we're calling The Pushback. And, uh, and so over the next few weekends, I want to talk about some pretty serious topics. And I'm, I'm prefacing it with this because I want you to understand that there are going to be some stories and some things that I'm going to share that will maybe be a little bit uncomfortable and with that, I just want you to be, have a heads up because some of you keep your kids in the room. I'm not going to get graphic or anything like that, but, I, but there will be some things that, that you might just want to reconsider if you haven't been letting your kids go to kids' church, uh, sending them that way. We have an amazing kids' program at this church. And so, so I would just encourage you, use this as an opportunity to utilize that. Um, but I feel like God has is, is got some words for us that we need to hear during the season that we're in. And some of what I am going to say, if you want to see it as being political, you could, but that's not my heart. Uh, my heart is not political. My heart is that we need to look through the lens, not of politicians, but through the lens of God's word and about the season that we're in right now, because it has been foretold in this book, and it is going to continue to move in that direction, and so we just need to be ready. I, I've been told since I was a kid that Jesus is coming back. And I don't know how many of you have been raised in the church, but maybe you've heard that your whole life. 
your whole life, there's different things that will happen. They'll go, oh, Jesus is coming. Jesus, To the point where, if I'm being honest with you, I think that we can get to a place where we're almost immune to it. Where we hear that and we go, yeah, we know that that's true. We know that's in the book. We know that that's, that's going to happen. But if I'm honest with you today, I think sometimes I think, well, that's, that is true, but it's probably not going to happen in my lifetime. But I'll be real with you. Over the last few years and, and just even the last decade, to see it's almost as if the, the acceleration has been pushed. And, and we are seeing more and more things that this book talks about coming to fruition. And so... I really, as I was praying about this, coming back and preaching to you and, and talking about this particular topic, I knew that it wasn't going to be the most popular with some people, but I really feel like my job is to prepare you so that you're ready because his return is imminent. It's coming, and we need to be ready as a church. Amen? Over the last few weeks, we got the opportunity, like I said, go visit some different churches. Well, last weekend, it was our last weekend on sabbatical, and so we just, my wife and I talked about it, and we said, you know, we're just going to take the weekend, and we're not going to go to church this weekend, and we'll just kind of lay low and and relax a little bit, and so we did, and it happened to be, it happened to fall on the weekend of 9-11, and so we started watching some of the documentaries and some of the things, and and for those of you who are under the age of 25, uh, it doesn't probably mean as much to those of us who are over the age of 30. So if you're under the age of 25, I would encourage you just to ask somebody who's over the age of 30, where were you on 9-11? Because I'll guarantee you they can tell you where they were. I guarantee you they're can t- they can, they are reminded of, of what that day was like for them. And so we were watching, and obviously all those things are sparked as you're watching the documentaries and you're seeing the news recaps and you're hearing all of those stories again. But actually what stood out to me even more than that was um, the reality of how far we've come in 20 years. And, and what I mean by that is how much things have changed over the last 20, 20 years. For those of you who are under the age of 25, this is going to seem weird to you, but did you know that 20 years ago there were no smartphones? Right? You're like, what? How did you document what you ate for dinner? I don't understand. How did you share with your friends every detail of your life? I don't know how you would do that. Texting was pretty much brand new at that time. And, uh, and that wasn't on a smartphone, so it was where you had to use the numbers, right? How many of you remember the little number system? How many of you were good at the number systems? I was never good at the number system, right? Uh, 20 years ago, Gmail did not exist. 20 years ago, there were only two genders. Oh, that's true. There still are only two genders. That's true. However, our universities now teach up to 64 genders. 2001, pastors were not being arrested in Canada for gathering. People were not being mandated to take a shot or to lose their ability to participate in society. Schools would have never thought in 2001 to segregate people by color. But can I tell you now, we're getting to a point where more universities are separating graduations black and white. This would have been considered the opposite of what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had preached. And now our schools are fighting to teach things like critical race theory and they divide instead of unite. You still with me? Censorship and cancel culture are the new norms. 
Can I be honest with you? Even as I'm preaching this message, there's a very good chance that this will be taken down from YouTube. It will be taken down from Facebook. Why? Because it doesn't meet the mandated what speech is okay. In 2001, the Taliban was the enemy and former presidents were treated with respect. No ideas. Now ideas are the enemy of free thinking and are too dangerous to be allowed. There were no safe spaces in 2001. When somebody had a differing opinion, you didn't need a safe space. You had a conversation with that person. You had a dialogue. You didn't isolate people from each other because of the way that they thought or the way that they were. In 2001, big tech didn't have listening and tracking devices in every home and on every person. People listened to each other and found common ground instead of even when they were disagreeing. In 2001, rioting in the street and destroying property were considered criminal acts. People fought for racial equality without promoting Marxism and, and the destruction of the family. Welcome back, Jason. I had... Buckle up. <laughs> it's time for us to understand something. We need to set aside offenses. We are, we are in a society right now where it's almost a badge of honor to be offended all the time. It's time to set those offenses aside. It's time for us to understand that we need to, as the church, counter culture by opening our minds and our hearts. And as I'm talking about this stuff, what I want you to understand is some of us, we all look through a lens of, of a political party or, or vaccinated or unvaccinated and all this stuff. And can I tell you, the more I've, the more I've stepped back and looked, there is a world right now and a culture right now that seeks to divide people. It is dividing and dividing and dividing. Why? Because as long as we focus on the vaccinated or the unvaccinated, the Democrat or the Republican, guess what? They can get away with doing whatever they want to do because we're not paying attention. The ruler that we, that we need to measure things by is not what party we're a part of, but it's this book right here. And if the way you've chosen to vote doesn't line up with this, then line it up with this from now on. If the way that you choose to live your life doesn't line up with this book, it's time to re-examine and line it up with this book because he is coming back. As a church, we need to talk about these things because we are moving very quickly toward a space where we will be faced with a decision. We will stand or we will fold to convenience. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 says this, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil, with, uh, enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. 
Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. God, right now we just come before you, and as we look at your word, I pray, Father, that you'll illuminate it for us. And Father, I pray over each and every person within this room, Lord, it's easy to hear things and to be offended or to, or to stop listening because something doesn't, doesn't register the way that you want it to register. But God, I just pray that I will get out of the way, that Lord Jesus, your word will be front and center, that God, we will understand that your word is true and that Father, we need to listen to it. Whether, whether it's what we wanna hear or not, it doesn't change the fact that it's true and it is what is going to happen. So, Father, I just pray over every person within the sound of my voice, those who are watching in Star Valley, Wyoming, and those who are watching in Malawi, and those who are just watching online, I pray, Father God, that you would speak to them right now. And we praise you, God, for what you're doing, and I praise you, God, that you've made a way for us. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus tells us this story to remind us that we are to be prepared for his return. So as we look at this story, what you need to understand is some translations will call them bridesmaids, others will call them virgins, but the listeners of this would be familiar with the background of this parable because it's the way things happened back in those days. The bride and her bridesmaids would wait at the bride's home for the bridegroom to show up, and when he would show up, it would be almost like a parade as they go to where the venue is going to, where the marriage is going to take place. And so they would go all together, and they would celebrate. There would probably be dancing and all of these things that would take place on their way there. But for some reason, the groom is running late in this story, and the wedding procession falls asleep while they're waiting. And when it's announced at midnight that the groom was on his way, it caught some of the bridesmaids unaware. That is one of the keys to the story is that they were all waiting for the bridegroom. So what does that mean? When Jesus tells this story, he's saying these are all believers, right? They're all people who believe there is a bridegroom, that he is coming, and they're anticipating that he is his arrival. But in the middle of that, some of them get caught unaware. They are unprepared. And so as we look at this as the church, what we need to understand is Jesus is saying, the day is going to come when I will return, when the sky will break open and I will come without any warning. And when that happens, those who are unaware, those who are unprepared, they will be left behind. Amen. They discovered that they didn't have enough oil in their small lamps. So they asked the other, the other women to help them out, and they said that they didn't have enough. So the unprepared bridesmaids were, went to purchase more oil, and while they were gone, they, they were left behind. And the amazing thing about this story is then they go to the gate, and they say, let us in, and the response is harsh. Not only are you not coming in, I don't know you. See, we live in the United States of America, and as much as it can be hard at times, it's a lot easier than most other places that you could live. 
And so when we live in this space, sometimes it's easy to just go, you know what? Everything is good. It will all be fine. It all works out in the end. But I'm telling you right now, Jesus tells this story for a reason. He wants us to hear it and be forewarned that the day will come when he will come back and his church needs to be ready. So we need to take this parable to heart. We are the bridesmaid. We are waiting for the groom to appear to lead us to this royal wedding. We have the blessing and the curse of living in this country. It is a blessing because we were birthed with freedom in mind. But there are, and there are stop gaps that are meant to keep us free. But the curse is that we've lived in a bubble for so long now that we are raising a generation who think that freedom will always just be there. I was talking to my cousin yesterday in Canada, and he was, as you know, while I was gone, he was supposed to come down and, and speak. And things have locked down and locked down and locked down. And they are using this virus as an excuse to, to get into every facet of people's lives. To the point where when I called him yesterday, he said, I'd like to talk to you about some stuff, but I need you to call me on a specific app because they're listening to the phone calls now. That's Canada. I'm not talking about the Soviet Union. Pastors have been arrested. Watch this video. So that's where you're under arrest. We have been fortunate to live where we live, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not, I don't want to walk down all kinds of different paths as to what can happen, but I'm just telling you right now, we are moving in a direction where it is about groupthink. It is about everybody needs to do the same thing, and you must comply. It's happening up north, and if it, happened, if it can happen there, it can happen here. I called my cousin because I was going to play that video, and I said, tell me about this, because I, I Googled it, and there was multiple different pastors that I could have showed the videos of them being arrested for gathering. And he said, no, it's, it's, it's not abnormal here. 
said they're monitoring, even he, does, he was doing a house church, and they're monitoring if, if people that were not family members were going into other people's homes. This is Canada. We have to be ready. The thing he said to me yesterday is he said, I wish I would have known five years ago because I would have been, prepare, I would have been preparing people for what's about to come, but none of us saw this coming. I'm telling you right now, we see it coming and we need to be ready because there will be a pushback. There will be, there will be people that will try to stop the church from moving forward. They'll be okay if you hold the line. Churches can meet in China if you hold the line. Churches can meet in communist countries if you hold the line. But we will get to a place, and even in Canada, he told me that there were, even before COVID and all this stuff, they were cracking down. If you preach something that was against popular culture, that they were, that they were, being, they were being interrogated for it. It's coming, and we have to be ready. Now, I don't say this to you. I know that you're like, wow, thanks for coming back. <laughs> Want another six weeks? We're good. This isn't meant to be a downer message. It's meant to be an encouragement message in that God is calling us to look different. He's calling us to live who he's called us to be. The hard thing is, is for us, we've gotten so used to the convenience of everything that we, we, if I was to ask you, if I was to go, hey, if all of a sudden somebody came in and said, hey, either you, you, you conf- if you confess Jesus Christ, then you're going to prison, we'd all go, oh, I would totally go to prison for Christ. Would you? Would you really? I hope the answer would be yes. But I don't know. I was thinking as I was watching the 9-11 stuff and watching all the stuff that unfolded in Afghanistan prior to that, that there are, there are those who are 20 years old or just above 20 years old even that, that have lived pretty much their whole life under the umbrella of freedom that the United States gave them. It wasn't as free as here, but it was a lot freer than what they were used to. Women were going to college and being in in school and all of these things and everything was changing. And within a couple of months, imagine being a 20-year-old who that's all you've ever known. And now within just a couple of months, it goes from the United States being there to not being there and the Taliban is in charge. I watched the story of a of, of one of those who had been an interpreter for us. And, and within days after the United States left, they broke into his house because they, they got a list saying that he was part of the, the ones that helped the United States. And they immediately cut off his arms. And then they killed his family in front of him and took his 10-year-old daughter to be a sex slave to the other Taliban members. That happened within a few months of things changing in that country. American Christians are still in that country today. And I heard a story yesterday that as they were being rounded up, can I, can I tell you that one of the things that happened is when they thought they were gonna live under that same umbrella, when they, when they changed their documentation for the country, one of the things that on your driver's license or their equivalent of a driver's license, you had to pronounce what faith you were. 
So all of these people said Christian because Christianity came to that country over the last 20 years. And now those people are being systematically rounded up. So I heard a story yesterday of Christians that were being rounded up from their home and as they were being pulled out of their home, tied up and and going to probably their death, they were singing hymns as they went. This freedom that we enjoy rises and falls on the shoulders of those who sit in power. And if they choose agenda over freedom, we will lose that very thing that has made America what it is. So our hope cannot be in a politician. It cannot be in a party or even in a country. Our foundation needs to be the one who is unshaken by fads and follies of man. Over the next few weeks, we're going to press into the reality of the world that we live in. And we are going to talk about what we need to do as believers. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to preach this series and have it be, feel like it's a downer. What it really is, is it's an encouragement for you to understand that we have a calling and we need to step up and we need to step in and we need to prepare ourselves. Because things can change very quickly. And if they do, are you ready? And that's my job, is to give you the information so you can be ready. I'm a fan of the NFL, and I watch, um, which I know is not super popular these days uh, with all the stuff going on and bringing politics into everything. Again, just divide, 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 divide. Everything is divisive. But I'm a, I, I lived in Green Bay, Wisconsin, so I'm a Packer fan. My wife was born and raised there. No booze, just everybody be okay with it. You're fine. Look at the way we played last week. I mean, you're fine. You're fine. But I am, I am a fan, and, and it, was, it was about a decade ago that they won the Super Bowl. And I remember watching it. They were playing this little-known team, the Steelers. And... Uh, uh, there's Richard. I love you, buddy. <clears throat> but I remember they won the Super Bowl, and then the, the next, you know, a few days later, they had this parade through Green Bay. And Green Bay is not a city that's much bigger than Missoula, actually. It's kind of interesting that they have this NFL team. So, so I, I, saw, I saw them having this parade, and it was so cool. And, and when, you, when you're a fan of a team, a lot of times what you'll do is you'll say, we won, Right? My team, we did this. We won the Super Bowl back then. And you'll hear people talk like that. And how many of you know, just in case you didn't know, I had zero to do with them winning the Super Bowl. I I know you probably thought I did, but I actually had zero to do with them winning the Super Bowl. Um, But I I, I was thinking about that this week, and I was kind of rewinding in my head because it's easy for us to go, yeah, look what we did. But I wasn't the, the high school athlete who who gave up his summer to go do two-a-days so that he could make the high school football team so he could work really hard and maybe be scouted and be brought to a college team who there he would work extra hard and be in the weight room early in the morning so that he could still make it to class and do all the things that he needed to do, then finish with practice again and to go and to fight and to do his very best so that maybe he would be scouted by the NFL and make it into the draft and then he would be drafted and maybe then he'd get off the practice squad and make it onto the team and eventually get onto the field and then he'd work really hard 
to make sure that he could do his very best because when you don't do your best, they destroy you on things like Twitter and they tell you how bad you are and you don't deserve to be on there. And I didn't receive any of that ridicule. I didn't have to go through any of that process whatsoever. But the guys who did, they made it on the field and then the day came where they fought through regular season and they got into the playoffs and they fought hard there. So they made it to the Super Bowl. And then on that day, they made it to the Super Bowl and they won. And so the, the parade happens and the, and the streamers fall and they carry the trophy around the stadium and all of those things. But for many of us, we didn't do any of those things, but we'll still say we won the Super Bowl. <laughs> and the only thing that I have is that I've got these jerseys that I bought um, just because I am a fan of the team. And so I've got all these different jerseys that I brought from my house. I even have like, this is the throwback, the original green. Bay Packer jersey right here. Uh, that's what it looked like back in the early 1900s. So that was <laughs> what that was. And, yep, this is a little Packer history for you. This is one of their throwback uniforms. They also wore this one before they went with the green and gold, which I actually like those colors better. But uh, and so I have all these jerseys. I've got th this one, and then my son and his girlfriend this year made me this one that has my name on the back. And my age, which is not nice. That was, that was actually not nice at all that they did that. Um, so I own all of these jerseys, and yet never did they call me and ask me if I wanted a ring. It's ridiculous. Uh, they, they didn't ever once like call and go, hey, Jason, we know you bought all the jerseys and stuff, so we got some extra rings here. Do you want one of those? <laughs> I didn't do anything. I cheered, right? And like this last week, I didn't, get in the, I didn't get pulled into the locker room after one of the most disgraceful football games I've ever seen <laughs> and get chewed out, right? Because I actually didn't do anything. A lot of us, though, as I was thinking about this, a lot of us live our lives as fans of Jesus. We were never called to be a fan of Jesus. We were called to be a follower of Jesus. See, a lot of us on Sunday morning, we'll, we'll pull out the jersey, we'll put it on, we'll come to church, we'll cheer. Churches have become stadiums where people just cheer for Jesus. And then you go home the rest of the week and you just live your life the way you want to live it. Like I, I will, tomorrow night is the, the Packers are playing the Lions on Monday Night Football. And I hope they look a lot better than they did last week. And so I will most likely wear one of my jerseys tomorrow just to show my support for my team, right? But it doesn't affect the rest of my week. Like it doesn't, I, I, I don't have to work harder because they sucked last week. I don't. I, I get to just keep being, you know. Uh, anyhow, and, and so... So with that, the funny thing is no one is ever, no one is ever like, I'm not wearing this, and they're like, hey, is that Randall Cobb walking down the street? No. <laughs> not once has that ever happened. Like, I'm just, a, I'm just a guy wearing a shirt, right? And I'm saying, yeah, 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 I'm a fan. I like the team. That's cool. But many of us, that's how we are with Jesus. We just, we come in on Saturday or Sunday, and we all celebrate. We sing the songs. We listen to the bald guy preach. And then we go home, and we're like, yay, that was good. And then we just live our lives. And it doesn't affect anything. He didn't call you to be a fan. He called you to be a follower. See, following calls for movement. Following requires action. Right? We don't get to just sit back and do nothing and then be like, yay. No, you're not supposed to be a fan. 
you're supposed to be a follower. So as we walk this series out, my hope and my, my calling for you is for you to listen and to hear and to understand my heart in all of this because this is not a political message. This is not me, me cheering on one side versus the other because the reality is when we seek Christ, he unites. He does not divide. So we got to be honest with ourselves. Is the thing that we're letting pour into us, is it always dividing? Because if it's always dividing, then it probably doesn't line up with him. Because God loves people. He doesn't love Republicans and not Democrats. He doesn't love Democrats and not Republicans. He doesn't. He doesn't love the vaccinated and not the unvaccinated. So if we're spending so much time pushing and pushing to divide, to divide, to divide, then we're not actually following what this book says because he loves us all the same. And in order for his church to be ready, we've got to grasp that and we've got to understand what is the battle that we're fighting right now? Are we fighting so that the lost will come to know Jesus? Because that's the battle we're supposed to be fighting. See, we can get on and we can do all our research and we can talk vaccine, no vaccine, Democrat, Republican. We can do all of those things and we can push hard and we can be really well educated and, we, and all of that. But at the end of the day, the sky is going to break open and Jesus is going to come from the clouds. And when he does, he's not going to go, hey, great job on getting more people vaccinated. He's not. He's not going to come through and go, hey, I'm so glad that you got so-and-so elected. Good for you. No. He's going to say, are you ready? Is your heart ready? Have you won the lost? Have you reached those who need to know hope? So over these next few weeks, my hope is that you will get to a place where you're honest about where you're at because I think that probably a great majority of believers, especially in Western culture, because we've never been pushed, we are fans of Jesus. We like him. He's a good guy. And he's like, good for you. I didn't ask you to like me. I asked you to follow me. And the thing is, is when he says follow, it doesn't sound easy. He doesn't make it sound... He's not one of those guys that's going to make, I'm going to make it sound way easier so you'll do it and then you'll figure out how hard it is. He leads with, pick up your cross and follow me. Why would I pick up my cross? Because I'm leading myself to be crucified. I'm going to die to myself. That's, that's not the brochure that we would put out, right? <laughs> hey, everybody, come to the river. Pick up your cross. Let's go. But he leads with it because he wants to be honest. He wants you to understand this is a deal. It's a big commitment. You're saying I'm dying to who I was, to what was important to me, and I'm going to live for you. He doesn't need any more fans. He doesn't need more likes on Facebook. He doesn't care about that. He wants followers. He wants us to pursue him. He wants us to live like him. He was not popular with a lot of people when he walked this earth. And for many of us, we're like, well, if I could just gain more, more followers, then I could have a bigger impact. Well, what are you, what's the message that you're even getting out there? 
Moses couldn't follow God without standing in front of Pharaoh. And Noah couldn't follow God without building an ark and being ridiculed by everyone that he knew. And Daniel couldn't follow God by praying to him alone behind closed doors. He had to go to the lion's den. Following Jesus isn't something that you can do at night when no one notices. It's a 24-hour day commitment. And I will tell you right now, it will interfere with your life. If it's not interfering with your life, then you're not doing it right. Because it's, it's hard. But it's worth it. I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes with me for just a moment. As we wrap up this time together this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. And you may go, wow, that is quite the sales pitch that you just made for being a follower of Jesus Christ. Tell me how hard it's going to be. But can I tell you, it's hard, but it's good. He loves you. He sees you. He has a plan and a dream and a desire for you. He has a purpose for you. So if you sit in this room today and you'd say, you know, I don't really have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Today's your day. You have the opportunity to change that. And here's the thing. It's not religion. It's not about joining a church because that's not what we're doing here. We're just saying, hey, he wants relationship with you. And so all you need to do is say yes to that. And the cool thing is, no matter how messy you are, no matter how screwed up you might be, he loves you right where you are. And he will take your stuff your sin, your garbage, and he has already paid the price for it. So saying yes to him means that he removes that stuff. It's not yours anymore. So if you're in the room today and you just say, Jason, I I need to make my relationship right with God, would you do me a favor? No one else is looking around. Would you just lift up your hand and catch my eye because I want to pray for you before we close this time together. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Good job. Thank you. Maybe you're in the room right now and you go, you know, if I'm being honest with you right now, I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm not really following. But I need to fix that. So if that's you, put your hand up in the air too. I want to pray for you as well. All right, thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, brother. Yeah, thank you. One more moment, anybody else? Yeah, I see you back there. Thank you, man. ask everybody in the room whether you raised your hand or you didn't we're going to pray a prayer together and if in either of those scenarios you you say that's who I am and that's what I need I'm going to ask you just to mean it from your heart God loves you so much that he he doesn't make it where well you've got to jump through all these hoops and then no he says you just call on my name believe me and salvation is yours 
So let's all pray this prayer together. Everyone repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose in three days. Today I accept the gift of forgiveness. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to follow you from this day forward. I thank you that you love me. And I thank you that you have plans for me. Help me to be who you've asked me to be and to do whatever you ask me to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Will you give those a round of applause? We had so many people raise their hand today. I would love the opportunity to talk to you. If you have any questions, you can, you can reach out to any of our staff. We'd love to walk you through that. We're going to have some prayer teams that are going to be up here in just a moment, and they would love the opportunity to pray with you about anything that's going on in your life. But we're going to just end with a little bit more worship this morning. So let me just pray over you. God, we just thank you so much for all that you're doing. And Father, I pray that you would prepare your church, that we would be who you need us to be, and that, God, when that pushback comes, Father, we will stand firm knowing that you are our foundation. We give you all the praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand as we worship? Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.